thought, you know, this can't be it. You know, I can't be doomed or sentenced to this for the rest of my life. There has to be another way. Hello, and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Today, I am here with Laverne Frank. Laverne is from a little beach town near Cape Town, South Africa. She started out with a business degree and a brief hello and goodbye with the corporate world to pursue a career in teaching. She has spent just under a decade working as a teacher in South Korea and South Africa. In 2020, Laverne left teaching to spend eight months living off-grid in nature to rediscover for herself what it means to be human without the pressure and the narrative of society. Now, she lives on a small holding with her green-fingered partner, still surrounded by nature, offering quantum hypnosis sessions online and in person. This is an amazing conversation where we dive deep into topics of anxiety, depression, quantum healing, and so much more. Listeners' discretion is advised as there is some discussion around more sensitive topics such as anxiety and depression. And as always, this podcast is really meant for entertainment purposes only, so please do consult with a medical professional for any medical advice. With that in mind, let's dive into this episode. Hi, Laverne. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my first time being interviewed on a podcast, so I'm quite excited. Ooh, that's so exciting. I'm so honored that I'm your first. Well, I'd really love to start off by just hearing a little bit about you, Laverne, and the work that you do in the world. Yeah, so I'm currently, I am trained as a access bars practitioner. So it's a beautiful, gentle um, touch modality that works with um, various points on your, on your head. Um, relating to different areas of your life. So it's um, a really beautiful modality that helps people with stress and anxiety, depression, etc. And then I'm also um, a beyond quantum healing practitioner. And that's kind of my primary focus at this, at this point in my life. Um, and I also um, have been for a number of years working um, doing intuitive or psychic readings and intuitive one-on-one sessions. But I've kind of put that on pause for now and, and really giving my attention to be on quantum healing. Um, but yeah, other than that, I am, um, oh, <laughs> I don't know what more to say. Wow, that's beautiful. So you work with a few different modalities there. And when did you start really doing this type of work with people? Um, in 2019, um, I would say that period of my life, there was really a flowering in my own awakening or spiritual journey. And it was a time where I spent a, um, a lot of time alone in nature and um, in quite, with self-inquiry and just being um, and really also supporting my system in a very much healthier way than I had previously. And because of that, I became incredibly more, well, more tuned to my sensitivities. 
um, because I wasn't numbing down. I was kind of supporting that sensitivity in a, in a healthier way. And, and that was when I started to really understand um, that I'd always actually been quite intuitive. And um, I think all of us are quite psychic. <laughs> I think it's quite a natural thing, but it was just became more apparent that year. And, um, and I started just kind of falling into it. It's just one day I just suddenly had this knowing out of the blue, oh, I can do readings. I don't know where it came from. And I just started um, practicing on friends. And it started off kind of like a vision quest, um, going on these like long vision quests and kind of retrieving information from past lives or um, you know, just the energies, the current energies and spiritual information coming through. Um, and then, yeah, I started to kind of um, be very drawn to this path. I think at that point I was working as a teacher for almost a decade and being so sensitive and working with a lot of little kids, it just became quite overwhelming. And I was longing to be of service in a way that was more one-on-one -on -one. Um, and so then I also started training for um, access bars and um, just slowly kind of progressed along that path. Yeah, that's so cool. Can you explain a little bit more about what access bars is? Yeah, so access bars, it works with um, about 32 points on the head and lightly touched by the practitioner. Um, so you apply light, very gentle pressure, and all of these points correlate to different areas of your life. So it can be around your money, can be around connections, creativity, um, your sexuality, your joy, your sadness, um, just really anything. <laughs> and when, um, when the kind of gentle touch is applied to these areas, it really breaks up a lot of the electromagnetic field around um, the, yeah, a lot, a lot of the um, like blocked energies or stuck energies around these areas and starts to release that. Um, and so it creates a lot more flow and like clarity. Um, it's especially when a lot of our mind energy, you know, becomes so focused or um, kind of in stuck in our minds and, um, you know, very becoming very overwhelmed with overthinking it creates this kind of release from yeah overburdened like mental processing and it just creates a lot of flow um yeah and it's it's it really like creates or promotes the sense of like well-being and peacefulness um so yeah it's a very gentle experience wow that sounds really beautiful when did you first learn about that modality in particular so in 2019, um, like I said, I was longing to be in service, but one-on-one, -on -one, and I wasn't sure, you know, what my next steps were. So I started praying and I just asked, you know, please show me the next step. Um, and then I went for a massage with um, a very dear friend of mine who'd been supporting me on my healing journey for many years. And during the massage, he just mentioned something about access bars and, I think actually I'd heard about it before um, from, through a friend. She'd mentioned it before and I, I didn't pay any mind to it. And then I prayed and then my friend told me about access bars and he was just speaking about it, um, that he was really interested to go for this training. And 
when he said it, it was just that my whole body responded and there was just this, I just knew this is the next step. I had no idea what it was, but I went out, looked it up and did a bit of research. I realized, okay, this feels kind of aligned. Um, so yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. So it just sort of like fell into your lap. Hmm. Hmm, that's beautiful. And I love that you, you know, work with people in this variety of ways from the psychic healing to, you know, doing more BQH, uh, beyond quantum healing, as well as this access bars. But I know you've also had your own experience with anxiety and as well as just being highly Mm -hmm. sensitive. So I'd love if you could share a little bit more about your own experience with anxiety. Sure. (laughs) So as a child, I was very sensitive, sensitive and, um, yeah, very anxious and I was very uncomfortable being around um, people um, unless it was close friends or one-on-one um, you know, one-on-one friendships but otherwise you know with strangers or big crowds or even family members that I weren't wasn't very close to I was incredibly uncomfortable and I had yeah just a lot of anxieties around change and um, I think around 10 when my sister passed away that was my first experience with um, depression. Um, and that was also the first time that I went to a psychologist, I think, I think, because <laughs> um, I also went to a psychologist around that time for the for fear of the dark, because I was incredibly anxious at night. And yeah, I, I continued to struggle with um, anxiety into high school and into my 20s and depression despite always being very anxious and fearful and struggling with depression I always seem to be the kind of person who would um, I don't know if you know that analogy the white wolf and the dark wolf that I'd always feed the white wolf kind of representing your the opportunities that lie ahead versus the dark wolf representing the fears that hold you back so even though the fears were always present I always still showed up even around I think nine or ten or eleven somewhere around there I went to China with um, a friend and her mom without my parents and I was very attached to my parents being so anxious so over my life I would do many kinds of many things that challenged me but I always kind of rather put my attention on the opportunities that lay ahead as opposed to being held back by my anxieties yeah and then in high school I continued to struggle with anxiety and depression and I went to psychologists and psychiatrists on and off um, I was put on medication and I found the medication really hard. Uh, it was fine when I was on it, but when I came off, it was really hard for me to adjust to the world. And I'll never forget being around 18 years old. Um, a therapist told me that I would likely struggle with depression lifelong and might need to be on medication lifelong to support me. And I was so young and, you know, I was, very uncomfortable in my body and in the world and when things were going good there was this looming fear of when is the next cycle of this dark cloud going to come and I just thought you know this can't be it you know I can't be doomed or sentenced to this for the rest of my life there has to be another way and I remember I'll never forget standing in front of the front door and I just made this commitment to myself that I will find a different way and I never touched antidepressants from that point I did have to end up using anti-anxiety medication about two or three times in my 20s. But at that point, I started really going very deep into, you know, different kinds of modalities and diet and all kinds of things to support my journey. 
So when I did use the medication, it was very short and I continued to build up tools in my toolbox. And now I'm at a point where um, I haven't yeah, been depressed in a couple of years and anxiety that used to be my constant companion is now like a long lost friend that sometimes comes for a gentle hello or breezes by and it, it doesn't own me anymore. It's now just something that, you know, I recognize as a friend or advisor. There were times in my life where it was very crippling and did hold me back um, and times where I also, you know, I could literally go to work and then I'd come back and stay in bed and going to the shops was too much. Um, I just felt very anxious in the world and yeah, I didn't have the energy to cope, but I was very committed to finding a way to, to really clear my system enough that I could live a happy, healthy life with greater or more consistent peace and actually enjoy being in my body and enjoy being in the world. I feel mm. like I'm there. <laughs> mm, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It sounds like you've had a lot of different experiences with anxiety that I'm sure many of us can relate to. And I love that you were, you know, strong in your fight to want to move forward from this place of peace. So what modalities or what tools have been most helpful for you in moving through your anxiety? So, yeah, there's been so many. Um, mm-hmm. I'll briefly touch on a few and then um, then also the ones that kind of really stood out to me. But yeah, it must be said though that, you know, my initial, the initial way that I, even making that commitment at 18, I'd already unfortunately um, handed myself over to using um, alcohol and cigarettes as a way to cope socially. Um, so like social drinking and things like that. And so I did have a habit of numbing for a long time. And then, but I would still, on the side, work on myself until eventually those kind of things were able to fall away. So um, the one thing that helped was having my mom. Um, I never bonded with my therapist, but my mom has a background in psychology. And so having somebody to talk to who could inform me about mental health issues and give me that understanding, but also provide me with that talk therapy with somebody that I could relate to and I really could go to her about anything that was really beautiful but talk therapy only gets you so far um you know because a lot of the stuff is in the body and there's um I think you know if I think about how we live a balanced life you know we take into account the different elements um so for me anxiety is a lot about air element you know we're very much in our mind overthinking or in the thought realm and talk therapy is also kind of like an air element so to bring back balance sometimes we have to move beyond the air and come back maybe into the earth and ground ourselves with the kind of modality that brings us back into the body so things for me that were kind of earth-based you know um, grounding activities that didn't involve talk therapy were things like massage I found very helpful and acupuncture and um, and also looking at diet and exercise. So that was on the early parts of my journey. Around the time that my dad passed away was when my mom trained in TRE, which is trauma and tension release exercises. And that was, I think that is one of the most powerful modalities that I'd always recommend um, for people struggling with anxiety or tension and stress. Um, because it really helps to ground you into your body, into your system. 
and there's a little bit of talk therapy involved but it's mostly about getting into the body and you know tremoring and releasing all these pent-up energies and once the nervous system is calm it can be easier then to continue on your journey so I think that's like a primary um, initial focus and then once the nervous system is calm you can kind of go deeper into relating to anxiety in a new way um, so around 2019 when I was having that um, a lot of time alone in nature and you know contemplating I was I'd also been into, introduced to the presence process who'd kind of written by a man called Michael Brown who gave me a lot of context around how to relate to our emotions in a, in a healthy way. So I started exploring on, in other ways. Um, I started using yin yoga, um, which I found really beautiful because when I felt disconnected, often when we're in our minds a lot, we feel very disconnected from ourselves. And yin yoga really like slows down the world and connects you with your body and your breath. Um, and yeah, I found that really helpful. And then also, I really loved using movement. So I'd use wonderful sacred music or like earth songs or prayer songs, mantra singing, and then let my body intuitively express my sensations or my emotions. If I was feeling anxious, I'd kind of let it play out in story form using movement. So just intuitive dance and letting myself flow. And that kind of made the sensations and emotions not so scary. They were just, you know, they had a story to tell and I was relating to them in a different way. Um, and then singing and in, using sound is also incredibly soothing to the nervous system and immediately gets you out of your head and it gets you into your heart when you start singing from a, obviously you, it's difficult not to sing from the heart, but I found that really helpful. And many people are uncomfortable with singing. Um, but I always say, you know, if you don't have to be a good writer to journal, so you don't have to be a really good singer to just sing it's um you know we sound alchemists and we have this amazing vocal cord this gift or this um tool within us for healing for healing and yeah I actually um lead a woman's circle actually as well and bring in a lot of like you know the singing into that um and people who are uncomfortable you know they eventually start participating and um, and I think it's such a beautiful gift to give ourselves to sing and soothe our own inner child. And we forget to do that. It's these simple things um, that I found really helpful. Yeah, I love that. I love so many of those things that you mentioned. I mean, from yoga and focusing on movement, I think it's huge that you've touched on this point that a lot of you know, anxiety is in that air element. So it can be helpful to get into the other elements like earth to get into your body to really become grounded. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I have found too, is, you know, when I was mainly working with the cognitive talk therapy type of side of things, it was helpful to a certain extent, but I still had that overwhelming feeling of anxiety in the body. Um, mm -hmm. So those embodied practices are huge. And I love the idea of like that movement and dancing through the emotions and like embodying it because sometimes mm -hmm. we don't even give that emotion enough attention, right? Like you just sort mm -hmm. of try to push it down or avoid it, but that's a way to allow it to act out and um, I guess sort of allow it to play out and play its full root instead of just suffocating it without it taking over your life because it's in that practice. 
So how do you go about doing that um, practice? Do you like provide any structure or I guess my question is, how do you act out on those emotions without allowing it to get out of control, like keeping it therapeutic? I think whatever is supposed to happen will happen. If the emotions become intense, they're supposed to become to become intense. Um, and there have been times where, you know, through that singing or the moving or even through TRE or any embodied practice, where sometimes the emotion does surface at a very intense level. And there are times where I found myself, you know, on hands and knees, you know, like howling with all of the emotion and the movement coming out. And I think it's a very cathartic process and incredibly important part of the journey is not to control and restrict. Um, and I think sometimes we can be so afraid that the emotion themselves will kill us <laughs> that, and I know I felt that way before it felt so intense but I've really journeyed to the depths of my, my darkness and in that deep shadow work and have felt that, you know, the emotions that I thought were so incredibly intense that I couldn't go there, I could. And my body, I, I've learned to trust my body. My body always knows what to do. So for me, I would, I would never try to control or restrict anything that wants to move through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that learning to have trusting your body now, I'm, I'm sure that that plays a pretty severe dichotomy to those times where you may have felt more out of control. How did you gain more knowledge of this ability to get into your body and trust your body? Well, I think it's, we're starting off, you know, working with practitioners. I know I've had many people say, you know, and I believe that as well, we have everything within ourselves. However, I have found that having somebody to hold your hand as you start taking steps into your own um, depths or shadows or that initial journey, um, those initial steps on your journey, it can be such a beautiful gift. And so, you know, with TRE, I started with my mom and then I started doing sessions with the woman who trained her. And usually you go for about um, six weeks, can be a couple of months. But after that, you've got this modality for life that you can do it on your own. Um, but in the beginning, it is incredibly helpful to have a practitioner to be there and to know that when you do kind of, they call it flooding, to know how to support the body, to like keep the emotions going, but also ground the body. So they, um, so it is really helpful to have a practitioner present. And, um, and so I think having working with people with a massage therapist and the TRE provider and, and things like that, I came to realize that my body always knows what to do. And, and then I was able to continue on my own. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that you touched on the fact that you sometimes need somebody else to support you in order to trust yourself more and lean into yourself. Because I sometimes think that there's this idea that, you know, we have everything within us that we need to heal. So then why can't I do it all alone? Right. And sometimes you just can't even access that part of yourself and it's less of a needing something else, but needing that help to dislayer it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think all like, if we, we we're not here on the world alone where you know where community is such an old thing you know there's always been tribes and people supporting us supporting tribes um and you know though we can do it on our own it might just take so much longer but if you ask for help and support your journey might just be a little bit shorter that path of of healing it might not have to be so stretched out mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. It can accelerate the process. And also, I feel like it can also just make you feel more safe going to those depths that maybe you're too afraid to go to alone. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned a word uh, flooding, I think you said for mm-hmm. when, yeah, when the emotions become more out of control. Um, therapists and practitioners have different methods in place, right, to be able to get your nervous system back to a safe and controllable space. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, so valuable to have somebody who can walk you through that. And I love that you even had your mom like learning those modalities and walking alongside of you in it. And something I find really unique about you and your story and your upbringing in general is that you, you had your mom who was sort of into psychology and had that more deeper understanding of the mind. And as well as I know you mentioned not on this conversation, but when we've talked previously that you learned mindfulness and meditation at quite a young age, So how do you think having more, I guess, awakened or knowledgeable parents influenced your childhood and your ability to grow up as this highly sensitive person? Yeah, I think um, my parents were always seekers. And um, I think when my sister passed, um, I was around 10 and her death really opened an urgency in their spiritual seeking. And um, I was introduced to books at that time um, by Michael Newton, who wrote Journey of the Souls and Destiny of the Souls, um, as well as the meditation classes and guided meditation CDs. Um, But ever since I was little, you know, spirituality always was a conversation in our household, um, never something enforced. And so I was encouraged to ask questions and that helped me to find my own path and what's true for me. And one thing that was really beautiful, having parents who were, you know, quite awake and conscious was that they were always willing to change their mind. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to witness, you know, when looking at adults from the perspective of a young child. When I was very little, my parents gave me hidings until my mom started reading books by Alice Miller. And she changed her mind and decided it's not the most conscious way to raise a child um, in terms of discipline. Um, and so we set off to the garden to bury the belt and that was that and um, yeah so I I viewed that my parents could apologize they could change their mind and I was also raised to be heard and my opinions mattered um, and they nurtured my sensitivity and so I think all of that helped me to become confident in some sense despite um, despite my anxieties um, and despite having times in high school where I had a low self-image I still was confident in many areas of my life I still had a sense of knowing who I am and my spiritual path and my my opinions around my belief you know gave me confidence as well if that makes sense and yeah. And they like, inc- I like how they encouraged you to explore right because a lot of the time either parents cut people off from exploring because they have a certain set of belief systems and they want to instill that or they're not even really exploring themselves so I love that your your parents were seeking and exploring and it led you to do that as well and I'd love to hear about how that might have potentially helped you while you were going through those darker times right because when you were reaching those shadows you mentioned previously that like the one you feed, right? The wolf that you feed, do you feed the dark Mm -hmm. wolf or the light wolf and how Mm -hmm. you really, although you had lots of experiences with that dark wolf, you tended to feed the white wolf. So do you think your upbringing um, played into that? Most most certainly. Um, Yeah, I think 
you know, yeah, like I said, you know, um, being raised with somebody whose opinions mattered and who was taught to question things. And, you know, I was part of the conversations and my opinions mattered in all of these conversations. It gave me a lot of confidence in myself. And, um, and you know, even though you know, I said earlier conversation, you know, um, was you know, a big part of growing up, nothing was enforced. But when I say conversation, there was also often a lot of debates. And so, and that was quite fun. Um, and I think that also built a very strong character who was able to kind of um, have a strong mind, strong opinions. And, and that was all formed from, from those debates and the arguments and the conversations. Um, and I think that built yeah, a very strong ca character that could kind of leap into you know, the scary unknown, even though she might have been anxious. So, yeah. And in a way, I feel like that probably helped you to develop your emotional resilience as well. I think also my mom as well played a big role because she was also incredibly intuitive and she was kind of like my spiritual counselor. And, you know, she gave me a lot of wisdom growing up. You know, she would say to me things like, keep your inner child alive, always keep that child alive. And she taught me to follow my intuition. And I think that also helps because even though, you know, there's an opportunity that might seem very scary, you know, I would be able to tune into my heart and listen to that and, um, and go with what felt right, um, with what my heart felt in term, instead of yeah, the, ang the anxious thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being able to tune into that intuition is, is so huge. And just being able to like get out of your mind in that race of anxious thoughts and into your heart and what you truly feel is so big. So I love that your parents allowed you to develop that intuition from a young age. Um, knowing that like if you could turn back time, even though you were more in tune with your emotions, you still experienced quite a lot of strong emotions. So just speaking hypothetically, if you were able to turn back time and speak to your more anxious, more depressed, more emotional self, what would you tell her? Yeah, so I want to actually answer that question um, in a little bit of a different way. Um, because for me, it's not so much about um, if I could turn back time, but knowing that I can touch the past and that I should stay connected to that younger child, that inner child. Um, so in other words, I feel like I can access all timelines through my imagination and intention and feeling, and I often do. So I'm often reaching out to my inner child and I visit her when, I'm, when things are going really well and I show her you know, what a wonderful life she will one day have. And I've also visited her to soothe her and sing to her and rock her in my arms. And yeah, I, I, it's, it's a big part of what I encourage is, yeah, that inner child work. Um, and in fact, you know, that this little inner child or the younger versions of me is so much a part of me and has brought so many gifts into my life of playfulness and silliness and, you know, really brightens up my life because I bring her into my present. And I really believe that when we, connect with the previous or past versions of ourselves through intention and imagination and feeling and also when we show up um, for ourselves in our healing journey to any opportunity to heal or to you know modality or 
you know, to work through something that's really difficult, when we show up for ourselves and we kind of reach into the past and um, affect change. And if I look back when I was um, much younger, I always found that I was always very much guided and there was always like, um, I don't know, I think sometimes we're guided by angelic presences and spirit guides, but I also feel that sometimes our future selves kind of guide us. So I don't know if that it can be a little bit difficult to understand, but for me, that's how I make sense of it. And, and I feel it's what I do in the present moment, how I show up for myself and how I engage with the versions of myself in the past. You know, that is kind of how I guide the, the wounded child um, and how she's received her guidance. So I wouldn't say that there's anything I ever had to say to her because I think she was always being guided by the person that I am today um, and by showing, being the person that shows up. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. And, and that's so beautiful. And the reason that I ask that is because a lot of the time there is that thing that we wish that our younger self may have known or, you know, that tool that we wish that we would have had. But I love that you touch on the fact that we're always being guided and no matter what experience we went through, even if we think maybe it was negative at the time or we wish that it could have went a different way, everything really led us to how we are today. And I love that you still go back and work and integrate that inner child into your life now. So in more practical terms, how do you um, integrate inner child work into your more daily life? Um, well, for me, you know, the little, the young little Laverne, you know, was incredibly playful and silly. So I allow her spontaneous energy to kind of speak its truth and then I act upon it. So, um, there are times where I will find myself suddenly having this urge to skip and I'll let myself skip or, um, if I'm sitting at a dam, I'll let myself play, you know, with the water or, you know, just being very playful, like a child. Um, I think Carl Jung, he's um, a philosopher, like a um, the the father of psychology. Yeah, Jungian psychology. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my mom was big on Jung, but um, he apparently, you know, he did a lot of inner child work, and he would actually have a sand pit and play in the sand like a little child in order to kind of integrate his child into his everyday life he'd make time to play and so I do the same but mine is just spontaneous or free you know skipping hopping you know lying the other day I lay on the ground and with my belly and I just suddenly saw these huge ants outside and I was just wondering where they're going and what they're up to and so I spent about 20 minutes looking at ants and I lie outside on Um, in the grass and I look at clouds the way I did when I was a child so a lot of playful kind of things Mm -hmm. but I also use um, guided meditations or you know my own vision quest to kind of journey back in time Um, I actually recently created a uh, a guided meditation it was sometimes I receive these downloads for my next circle gathering and um, so and then I decided maybe I should just record this guided meditation and offer it you know on my Instagram page I've got it um, and that's also a beautiful kind of a play, it's called a play date with your inner child um, so yeah 
That is so beautiful. And I will definitely be seeking out that meditation after we hop off and I'll um, link it in the show descriptions that anybody who's listening can also check it out as well. And I love that you like embody that playful energy from your childhood into the present moment, because I think so many of us, we forget about that side of ourselves and we detach Mm. from it. And when you don't allow yourself to experience that fullness of life that you experienced as a kid, it just seems like life is going by so fast, so mundane, you really just detach from like all the joy that you had as a kid. So I love that you do that and you're helping other people to do that through this meditation. But likewise, like when you're a kid as well, you, you also had those stronger feelings of emotions and that more anxiety. So I know patterns can continue to show up later in life. So when you feel more, I guess, overwhelmed or anxious, or when those waves come back, what do you do in the present? So one of the greatest tools that I use is the presence process. Um, by Michael Brown, I think I alluded to that earlier. Um, so the number one thing I do when, um, when I start to feel an- anxious energy or any sensation that feels uncomfortable is I open to it. So whether I'm driving um, or whether I'm at home, I just open to that feeling or that sensation. Um, if I'm at home and I'm lucky enough, I can go and sit either inside or outside in nature. And um, the presence process is a beautiful, yeah, incredibly beautiful um, resource because it teaches us to you know, come back into our beingness. And from that state of being, we can invite our sensations in and witness them from, you know, um, with this distance, this spaciousness. Because sometimes I feel if we're not aware that we are the infinite sky um, and we think we are the clouds that keep passing within this infinite sky, we identify as the clouds, we identify as the anxiety. And we think, I am anxious, I suffer from anxiety. And whatever thoughts are going on in our minds, we just become them and they own us and they take over. But when we remember that we are that eternal peaceful sky, that is never suffering the emotion it's always ever present ever aware and when we can come from that space and then just observe oh this is a cloud it becomes a lot less frightening because it's just a cloud and we remind ourselves and by doing that um, maybe not out loud but it's basically telling our body that you know this too shall pass just like a cloud you know there's um there's distance and, and that's, so that's the one thing that I do is I immediately go and I drop into my beingness, into that presence. And then, sorry, this applies in my room. Um, I drop into my beingness and then I just observe the emotions, the feelings and the sensations as they arise. And sometimes through that practice, they start to dissolve and my system calms down, but sometimes they linger and they stay but there's a different relation to them. And Michael Brown does a fantastic job about giving you the context um, through his written work, um, how to relate to these things in a different way, how to see them as advisors, as guides, and um, not something that we have to squash and get rid of and fix, but that they are like our inner children. We can wrap our arms around them and hold them and comfort them and just let them be 
when we try to open to them with the expectation or, um, you know, the desire to squash them, you know, like that expectation, like, okay, I'm going to do this so that it can go away. Often that's not going to work. We have to open to it with that feeling of come my child, come be here. Let me make space for you. You're allowed here. And so now it feels as if no emotion is my foe. They're all my friends. I'm not afraid of them. I can welcome them in and, you know, they often don't linger very long um, because they know that they're welcome and they kind of pass quite quickly. So that's the, the number one thing I do. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. Yeah, the presence process. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm going to have to check out that book in more detail, but I particularly love that analogy of yourself as the sky and like the emotions as the clouds that are just passing by, because it's so easy when you're in the midst of whatever that strong emotion may be, whether it be depression or anxiety, it's like, that's all that's around you. And that's all you can see. So you feel that you are the cloud and like, I am depressed, right? I am anxious. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's more just I am experiencing this and and how can I, you know, come to peace with that and and view it and learn from it, right? Like how they're Mm -hmm. guides and teachers, as you mentioned. That's so beautiful. And I know something else like unique about what you do in your life with regards to becoming more present is just your connection with nature. And Mm -hmm. especially with me being somebody who like lives in the city, I'm lucky in the sense that I live in a city with a lot of big trees. So I still do get to have a lot of that Mm -hmm. nature energy. But I know a lot of us, we, we really disconnect from nature in the modern world, right? You spend a lot of your time just inside of the house, in the car, on the road, not much time really with the trees. So how does nature play into your life to help you to stay grounded and present? Yeah, like a lot of people, you know, who longing to connect to nature, you know, like have a question, you know, how do I connect with nature? Um, I'd always say like simplicity is key. Um, so then practices that I share, just simple is key. And the way I look at it is if you want to connect with a child, let's say your little baby, it doesn't help to just go and sit next to the little baby and you're on your phone or reading a magazine because you're not really connecting, you're not engaging and you're not listening. So connection is engaging and listening. Um, if you want to build a relationship with your teenager and you're sitting across from each other at the restaurant, but you're both on your phone, that's not connecting. So I think a lot of people, they have that desire to connect with nature and they might find themselves in nature, maybe exercising or going for a walk with a friend, but they don't necessarily take the time at some point in that um, exercise or practice to just stop and actually connect, which is so simple because it just means look around, listen, engage, take a few moments. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It could be five minutes or 10 minutes. And we know that already, you know, science um, has shown us that we simply have to be in nature and healing already happens. The breath starts to deepen, the nervous system starts to calm and our thoughts starts to calm down. So already, and we're taking in a lot more oxygen is already a lot happening without us having to do a single thing. But if we can linger there a little bit longer and um, really listen and engage with what is around us. And the way I like to engage is using my five senses, the most simple thing. So I'll go and sit wherever I am and I'll start with, you know, my first sense um, that is 
uh, one that we kind of overuse in society, but I kind of start there with, which is the vision. And I'll look around, but really look. I'll look at the clouds. I'll look at, you know, if there's plant life, animal life, insect life. Um, I'll look at the landscape and just take in details. And I'll spend a few moments doing that. And then I'll go into a sound. You know, what do I hear? And then I'll really listen and I'll lean into the, the, the hearing. And I do this often, almost daily, you know, because it's just a simple technique that just gets me into, opens me into the environment. And then, you know, we use touch, you know, feeling something, playing with the sand, giving a tree a hug, or just touching plants, touching rocks, just burying your feet and your hands, you know, using bare feet. Um, and, you know, if, you're, if you have some knowledge, there's always things to taste. Um, and smell open to the smelling so just engaging with your senses um so that's the most simple thing and then if one wants to take it a little bit further i would say to find a tree um i think it's trees have quite a big energy and it's quite easy to connect to them um and i also i grew up a lot in um you know apartments you know, my whole adult life, I was in apartments in Korea, I was in a city. And it wasn't until 2008 where I moved into a farm, into this beautiful nature landscape. And there was my, like when my journey began, began there where I made a tree friend and wherever I moved in nature, I would find a tree friend. And so I'd go and sit by a tree and I would just start to chat to the tree, but just using my imagination and imagine that the tree is speaking to me. And one day I remember getting up and as I was walking away from the tree, the tree responded to me and it was so clear. Um, and from that point on, I was able to tap into trees and start to actually converse with them. Um, but one doesn't even have to go that far. It's just that even if you're around a tree and you start spontaneously speaking to the tree, naturally what's going to happen is that you're going to start to notice a sentient being. Um, sentient life and if you become aware that there is sentient life not just something that you can't actually experience but something that you can really lean into and feel you're going to want to care for something that has sentient life the same way with an animal and that was my journey really is when I started just chatting away to nature and then starting to feel oh wow it's actually responding to me I started to then really look at the way I was living life and my impact on an environmental level you know how can I care better how can my actions have better care because now I'm actually caring about the trees because I've got a connection with them I've got a relationship with them and so that was really beautiful I've also very often I've practiced this hundreds of times whenever I sit under a tree and I start talking or singing it's as if it could be a wind still day and suddenly there's a breeze out of nowhere as if the trees are somehow communicating with you. Yeah. I love this idea of actually like connecting with nature because I think so much of the time when we think about being in nature more, particularly if you're, you know, somebody in the city, like I'm mentioning, and you're not that connected with nature, you just think about going into nature. Right. And a lot of the time you see people who are walking through the paths who are just like, even maybe listening to a podcast, right. 
not even taking in the sounds, maybe not even taking in the views because they're looking at their phone or, or just looking at the path in front of them. So I think that idea of like connection and actually engaging and listening to the environment around you is huge and really a way that you can come back to presence in any environment, whether Mm. it be nature or that. And I love how you touched on using the five senses as well, because I know this is actually a practice that they sometimes teach like in CBT for anxiety is to return to your senses, right? Like what are five things that you can see? What are four things that you can smell? Three things that you can taste, right? That exercise, a lot of people know that one. And so this relation to that and um, presence and connection, I think is so huge and really beneficial for anybody with anxiety. So I would say like, just to sum this up in a practical way, whether or not you're going to go into the forest and really communicate with trees to really figure out how can I get more connected to my life, right? How am I disengaging and not fully experiencing the world around me. Cause I think a lot of the time we don't even connect, like you're eating your food, but you're rushing to work. So are you even really tasting that strawberry Mm -hmm. smoothie you had for breakfast or whatever it is? Right. So, yeah, I love Mm. that. And that's Um, true. And, you know, it's also, it's something one has to cultivate and practice, you know, cause I, I'm a, got a lot of air energy. And so I live in my mind. I love um, giving like talks and, um, sessions in my head I'm um, you know love fantasizing and imagination so I have to constantly like when I'm driving just bring myself back okay look and I just do that that simple exercise just name a few things you can see and just start dropping back into your body and so it's something that one has to cultivate um, and you know if you are riddled with anxiety then it's um, you know life it's really difficult to you know, live a life where you are stressed every day and you are very anxious. So by taking these little steps to just pull us back into the body day by day by day, it becomes easier and easier. And we start opening up and connecting at deeper levels. And then we realize that our system has calmed down so much and you kind of relating to life in a different way. Um, But it's, yeah, it's very seldom an overnight remedy. Yeah, it's a process for sure. And particularly if you're somebody who's anxious and ambitious, I mean, I would argue that both of those things are air things, right? Your, your anxiety, it's up in your head, your ambitions, your dreams, they're up in your head. So if you're living in that place where you're constantly either feeling anxious or you're just focused on doing you know, getting to the goal, achieving the things, then you probably could use some more of that earth energy and that connection. So I like that idea of even just, you know, doing it every day, maybe even you're in the car, right? It's not like a meditation Mm -hmm. thing where you need to close your eyes, but just becoming more aware and connected. It's beautiful. And I find it really cool how you like were able to fully embody this idea of connecting by like actually living off grid for eight months. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about this experience that you have, because I think it's so unique and like, I'm honestly jealous. I wish that I could do that for eight months. Maybe I will. (laughs) So first I'd love to hear like what first originally inspired you? Like I'm doing this thing. I'm going to move off grid. I think it started in the earlier days, as I mentioned, you know, um, in 2018, 2019, uh, when I started deepening my connection to nature and 2019, when I had that kind of flowering in my own awakening journey, um, at that point, I'd shed already so many layers of trauma and patterns. And, and I was spending so much time just, you know, just 
being so peaceful and being just settling into my beingness and I was still teaching um and I just felt I want more of this I want more quiet I want more nature I want more freedom so that longing was born around 2019 and in 2020 you know with the madness of the world I just that urgency for freedom just woke up so strongly in me and I was just like I can't I can I'm going to teach till the end of the year and somehow I'm going to find myself in nature and free <laughs> and I did kind of you know use a little bit of a not a vision board but just wrote down like a long list of what that life might look like and um and I started taking action so I started looking at at that point I was doing um, one-on-one sessions and so I was even contemplating going to live in a tent and doing like living like a gypsy or doing a work exchange or something so um I was adamant that I would find a way but one of my biggest um, yeah, dreams was, well, not, it was, it's actually, yeah, my soulmate had already started speaking to me in my dreams in 2019 and it was like a longing. Um, I already met him in my dreams. It was quite interesting. And, um, and I knew that I'd meet him soon and that he would play a significant part in this next chapter of my journey. And so by the end of 2020, when I was, yeah, so, um, at the height of wanting to break free, but not knowing yet what the next step would be, he showed up at just the most divine moment. And he was living in a little cottage um, in the mountains, like, like literally surrounded by hills and mountains on a big farm. And um, he'd had a contract or negotiation with the farmer that he would establish campsites and he also renovated an old lodge which he managed so this was a business that he created and they would profit share so he invited me and said come come live with me and it was a very quick meeting but it was you know it was something that I, I just I really I really recognized him it was the soul recognition and um there were anxieties around how am I going to earn money living in the mountain and things like that. But I did have, I was lucky to be able to build up a little bit of a nest egg. Um, so, um, so I had that, um, you know, I received my rent deposit and a 13th paycheck. And um, I think I moved in with my mom the last month or so because I gave notice. And so I'd saved up money. So it was kind of easy in a way, but it wasn't a lot of money, <laughs> but I just decided to jump anyway, because um, at that point I'd already spent so many years listening to the heart song and the heart was like, yes, <laughs> this is it. Um, so for those eight months, I helped him to manage the campsites and the Oak Lodge. And this entailed maintenance. It entailed expanding. Um, it entailed picking up cow dung before um, campers would come and cleaning toilets so um and then I was also doing readings on the side um but it's been two years you know now we are kind of living between like on a little small holding also with a kind of work exchange we're not quite off grid um but we're still kind of halfway there <laughs> um but it's been two years and I've I've seen that you know all that 
these old constructs that I had about what financial security is. It's just, I've seen that it was all in my mind and that I'm just constantly being provided for. Everything just constantly works out. All the things that I could never have problem solved or planned for, it just, it all flows. And so I think living there really taught me that I can live a simple life. Um, and yeah, I'm, I think my partner also, he's quite self-sufficient and he taught me how to weed eat and work with all kinds of like equipment. So I did definitely learned that I'm, I'm capable and I can survive. That's so cool. And I know that, you know, and originally that move must've brought up so many emotions because I'm sure that would make a lot of people anxious, right? No matter how much money you have saved up going out into the you know, wilderness to live off grid, figuring out how am I going to make money? What am I going to do with the things that I'm used to? What about, you know, not being around family and friends that you're used to? There's so many of those questions mm. that could come up that you could have stopped you. Um, but I love that you having to, to chop fire before you have a shower. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine all the things, but that's amazing that you've been able to do that. And I'm sure it's been just massive for your own spiritual journey to be able to connect in this way and live that slower paced life where you can really connect more with like your purpose and your passions and what lights you up. So I know that you mentioned that, like learning that you can live a simple life and you can um, sustain yourself was one of the biggest lessons that you've learned, but I'd love to hear like one more thing, maybe that you learned specifically from living out there, um, about who you are as a human. Um, yeah, I think it's one thing, you know, I always lived a lot of my feminine energy. And so I definitely tuned into my masculine energy. Um, and that was, I think that brought a lot of kind of balance to the whole picture of who I am. But I think being away from people and um, constructs and ideas and, you know, just not being so much a part of the world, it's as if um, that image or that self that, that you know, we spend so long, a big part of our life building up a self-image and I think that whole construct of that identity or that persona kind of fell away. Um, and I think that there probably is still, people will probably see a kind of a personality, but I don't feel like I'm operating from the level of personality. Like, it just feels as if I've come back into just, it's so difficult to even describe with words, but just touching this beingness and this level of you know, that, like that eternal sky and it feels as if the constructs the, the person is kind of very faded and in the background um mm. and I think it's just already I'd worked very uh, for quite a long time kind of cultivating and coming back to my true nature and you know when I completely removed myself from this apparent world and all the systems and the way people re relate and the, you know, the stories that we tell each other or ourselves, it all kind of just fell away. And um, yeah, it's very hard to describe, I think, because it's not, I, I don't feel like I relate so much from the lens of a human, but just more from the, the isness, the, the, the presence that I am. And 
the human things is just something that happens. It's not all important. It's just an state of being and a flow. Um, I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I get the sense of like separating from those external roles and identities that we play and we get so attached to and just returning to that sense of of whole of wholeness and just and connectedness really to everyone around you and just being human as opposed to you know what title am I what role do I play what what space do I fill in society right yeah and I know um during this time you mentioned that you also like discovered some different modalities you know began doing readings and um you also discovered BQH during this time is that correct yes Awesome. Yeah. So I know for me in my own journey, BQH and quantum healing has really helped me a lot, um, particularly like with anxiety, as well as with finding more clarity around my ambitions. And this is a pretty new modality that not many people know about. And I know that we both went through the certification with Candice Craw Goldman together. Um, So I'd love to just touch a little bit more about it and give some people an idea of what it involves if they aren't very familiar with it. So how would you describe Beyond Quantum Healing, Laverne? Um, Yeah, Beyond Quantum Healing, um, it's a modality that uses hypnosis. um, And so you've mentioned Candice Cole Goldman, who created the modality, and she worked alongside Dolores Cannon, um, who created the QHHT, um, the quantum hypnosis healing technique. And so it's kind of built upon that, but it overcomes a lot of the limitations of QHHT, which can only, for instance, be done in person. With BQH, you can even have these sessions online. But some might also say that it's um, built upon classic past life regression models or framework. But again, it, it kind of, it opens itself up to, um, to more than just visiting past lives in the sense that, you know, the client or, yeah, is, is guided to the most appropriate time and place. So um, it could be that somebody is guided or finds themselves reliving memories of their current life childhood memories and it could be that they find themselves in a, another lifetime or many different kinds of experiences so um, but simply it's it's relaxing the brain into like the theta brainwave state so it's bringing somebody to a very calm state and much like a guided meditation I think people have a lot of misunderstandings about hypnosis but um, basically you know you remain quite conscious um, in your session so the conscious mind is still present it's just kind of taken a back seat and there's this flow the spontaneous flow coming from your subconscious or from your higher consciousness and you're encouraged and um, to to kind of flow with that and to trust that Um, but you're completely in control and completely conscious um so it's it's very much like a guided meditation and you know with hypnosis it's something that we experience throughout our day you know it's just when we wake up or just when we go to sleep we're in light states of of hypnosis and even 
you know, performing certain tasks during the day, like when you're driving a car and you arrive at a destination and you're unsure of how you got there so quickly, um, you know, it's kind of like your brain has so gently relaxed into this theta brainwave state. So we experience kind of going into these hypnosis states throughout the day. So really it's a practitioner that is working with a natural thing that you already do and just guiding you through this process. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you explained that so beautifully. And I really like how you emphasize the fact that it's a naturally occurring state of mind, right? I think a lot of people, when we think about hypnosis, we think about like, you know, having that experience where your head just like flops onto your shoulder and you don't remember anything that happens while you're in this state of trance, but it really is just a way to get into those um, deeper, slower states of brainwaves. So a lot of the time, particularly if you're somebody with anxiety, we spend most of our day in like the beta brainwave state, which is a faster frequency of brainwaves. And this state, like when it's maintained long enough without break, it can lead to fear and anxiety on its own. So just by being able to relax the mind and go into these more alpha and even theta states during the hypnosis, I find that can be so healing um, in itself for anxiety, as well as the ability that it allows the practitioner to get past that conscious mind and those racing thoughts that we can often experience to really communicate with the subconscious and the super conscious mind. And I know for me, when I first experienced it, I was sort of like, on the side of like, well, good luck getting my brain to calm down. You know, I have this racing mindset. I don't think you're going to be able to get me to that state. And when I was able to get to that state of calm, I was so surprised to hear like how um, serene and how, how calm my, the voice of my higher self or my super conscious mind was. So I just think it's so a very interesting and amazing healing modality. So what would you say are some of the benefits of BQH that really stand out to you, Laverne? Oh, there's so many really vast um, benefits that one can experience. Um, so I like to say in the most basic terms that BQH gets you in touch with your inner wisdom keeper and your innate capacity for healing. So um it really connects us with our higher wisdom and our intuition. Um, and that can be very helpful because sometimes we really rely on external influence or external guidance. So to tune into that internal guidance is incredibly powerful. Um, but it can also help us to understand the root of a lot of issues in our lives. Um, if we have certain patterns um, that kind of hold us back in life, belief systems, um, or sometimes we are very reactive to certain events in our life or certain people, certain situations, it can really take us back to the roots of where did this come from? And simply by, by bringing this up into the conscious mind, already healing starts to happen. Um, but it also, I've, and one thing that's incredibly powerful is just by simply getting the mind out of the way and relaxing the mind, the body natch the body's healing ability can naturally start to thrive and to come to the forefront. So people can actually find that certain physical ailments um, can be healed in a session. And sometimes it can be a number of sessions or over time, but it can really help to relieve certain physical issues. Um, 
um, and there are many people that have reported, you know, um, whether it's physical condition or a health issue, um, it can really help to improve that, as well as, um, you know, some people who are even frozen with emotions, it can really help to bring you back into your emotional body and to explore the sensations and difficult emotions in a very therapeutic and safe environment. Yeah, what would you say if you had to add to that list? <laughs> yeah, well, first, I, I really like that you mentioned, you know, it can have those physical benefits. It can help relieve physical ailments because sometimes our emotions and things from, you know, past lives get stuck in our body and affect us in um, the present moment. So that's huge, as well as this emotional side. So one of the things I like about it is I find it to be such a holistic practice Um, And in addition to that, instead of just focusing on like past healing and like releasing trauma and releasing these limiting beliefs, it also allows you to really connect with your purpose and like understand who you are and how you can live your best life. So that's been really big for me is like helping me to connect to why am I even on this planet, Mm -hmm. right? Like, especially in the times that we're living in, sometimes it can feel like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Like, what is the reason? Why Mm -hmm. am I here? And this allows you to get more clarity around what your purpose is. And I actually got the idea to start this podcast from one of my BQH sessions that I did with another practitioner. So, yeah, I think it can be huge in that way. Um, Just to touch on what you just um, said, you know, you you shared so much and um, that was really stood out to me in terms that I didn't even think about. But you know, um, I think you really highlighted, you know, that you can come literally with any questions and gain clarity. And I really love that you, you know, touched on that because there's so much that one can share about the benefits. Um, so where do, you, where do you even start? And I mean, I've even gone to a BQH session. Um, and I think this is one of the ones that kind of really was healing for me is that I had a dream um, of, a, of a being um, in that it was so it's so difficult to describe but in this dream it was um it was more than a dream it was a meeting of a beautiful being that I was familiar with that I recognized at a soul level and so I actually explored that in a BQH session and that being came and visited me and brought up yeah the most beautiful emotions it was such you know it's as if um if you haven't seen your mom since childhood and suddenly she comes and she stands in front of you, you know, you, you recognize her, you know who she is. Like it's that recognition. And that was incredibly yeah, powerful. So one can come to a BQH session, you know, even wanting to interpret dreams or a mystical event that once happened, you know, literally finding answers to anything. Yeah. Um, um, and BQH, I mean, it, it's such a, a broad topic to talk about. So what is one thing that you think maybe is misunderstood or what do you wish everybody understood about BQH? Um, I think even though it's a spiritual modality, um, I think one very important thing to point out is that you don't have to belong to any religion or have any specific kind of belief to approach this work um, and even if for my, myself as a practitioner you know I have my own beliefs around you know reincarnation you know and um, life on other planets but the the client in front of me doesn't have to believe anything that I believe because my beliefs are in no way going to influence that, that person 
And Candace Cole Goldman shared a beautiful example that I think describes, you know, this, you know, yeah, um, describes this in a, in a, in a beautiful way. Um, she mentioned a client that came to her who, you know, said to her, you know, I don't believe in life, in life on planets. I don't believe in past lives or any of this stuff. Um, and, you know, her dad was a minister and said, you know, like if he found out she was there, she, you know, she would be in big trouble. But she was um, terminally ill with cancer. And I think she had a very short time given to live. And, you know, she had tried everything and, you know, the doctors had sent her home to die. And she decided that, you know, she would just try anything. And she had heard a lot of success stories. Um, about this kind of work so you know Candace obviously eased her her mind that she she doesn't need to believe anything and during her session she actually just visited um, scenes from her of her life um, the most beautiful scenes the day she was married the day she had a child and afterwards her higher self explained that that her higher self wanted her to remember why she chose to be here by viewing the the beautiful things that life had given her um, the beautiful blessings and why she connecting her with her reason for living um so she didn't venture into other kinds of realms she literally just stayed within memories of her own life um and in other words your session will turn out or kind of bring about an experience that is in align in alignment with your belief systems um so it doesn't interfere with that because it's, it's literally like a guided meditation and you're accessing your subconscious and your higher self and whatever your belief system it's going to bring up an experience that is appropriate for you and the ending to that story was powerful because a couple of weeks later she this client phoned and said that she was in complete permission and they've stayed in contact and some time later you know she's still healthy and well so literally her higher self just connected with her, her with her reason for living and she just needed to remind herself at a soul level and then it's as if everything started shifting energetically and, um, and the healing started happening and it's wow. amazing you know we just have to get the mind out of the way and the body can heal um, Wow. That's so amazing. I mean, from the results to even, I just love that you highlighted that fact that it, it doesn't really matter what you believe, right? Because I think this is where some people get caught up with things like this is they hear about this idea of like past life regression and maybe you don't believe in past lives and that's totally fine right or maybe you believe you don't even believe in time and you believe everything's happening right now and so that's your belief or even if you only believe that you're in this body and this life is it even just by accessing the side of your imagination it allows your conscious mind to move out of the way and tap into your more innate ability to heal whatever that means to you on a spiritual mm. belief level so I love that you highlighted that because I think that is huge and I think that's a lot of the reason why some people maybe um avoid exploring in this way mm. um and even sometimes you know wait until the end and it's the last opportunity like it sounds like it was for that lady right like she had tried mm -hmm. all those medical routes and then it's like well if this doesn't work it doesn't work right you may as well try it mm -hmm. so that's awesome I know yeah, that's I, 
kind of how I fell into it too, right? It was like, well, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At least you're mm-hmm. not slicing me open or or filling me with chemicals like other mm-hmm. treatments that I had done. So yeah, and I think, you know, today it's, you know, the the power of the imagination is becoming so much more known. And many people are writing about the incredible healing journeys just by accessing the powers of their imagination. You know, Brandon Bayes has wrote, written sorry, this incredible book about her journey, how she healed a, um, a very large tumor just by um, journeying into, with her imagination into her body, into her organs to, to connect with the tumor. And when she was inside the tumor, she kind of called up, um, you know, the people that were involved or the event that was involved where this tumor was created you know the the origin the origin and you know just by communicating with the people and you know using her imagination she was able to bring herself into remission and so I think with these kind of modalities they're often guided by you know the practitioner who might have their own spiritual belief systems but ultimately ultimately we're working here you know at an energetic at a quantum level um, and it's it's imagination that's you know guiding us into our energy bodies our capacity to heal and it really doesn't matter about what your practitioner believes or not um Mm -hmm. yeah so I feel like we've covered so much today thank you so much Laverne and as a final little mention here what would be some final advice that you would give to somebody who is anxious and ambitious I think what I'd like to do um because I've you know, I've spoken to it early and it's, it's such a big part of, of the way I um, navigate anxiety. Um, I, there's a beautiful poem by Jeff Foster. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote How I Became a Warrior. And he writes this incredibly beautiful poem where he speaks about, um, you know, all the different kinds of um, emotions and things like that. Um, and... With anxiety, he says, once I had anxiety, a mind that wouldn't stop, thoughts that wouldn't be silent. And so I stopped trying to silence them. And I dropped out of the mind and into the earth and into the mud, where I was held strong like a tree, unshakable and safe. And, and so I think we, we covered a lot of that in this, um, in this chat, you know, just to how to drop into the mud, into the earth of who you are and to find your strength there and to find peace there Um, and with this beautiful poem he concludes that in my sensitivity my power in my fragility and unshakable presence in the depth of my wounds in what I had named darkness I found a blazing light that guides me now in battle I became a warrior when I turned towards myself and I started listening Um, and so I think that is a kind of a beautiful conclusion because it's, it's my teaching, it's my practice. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful way to, to look at this journey of, of anxiety or any difficulty um, is just to turn within and to listen to ourselves. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And that really beautifully sums up so many of the things that we talked about. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that poem. <laughs> And what are some other ways that our listeners can connect with you after listening to this, Laverne? Um, well, through my website, um, bqhlaverne.com. Um, so there one could 
read a little bit more about BQH and my offerings. Um, and my contact details are on my website, but otherwise it's through my email address, which is lavernef at gmail.com and my Instagram account, um, BQH Laverne. And I think I mentioned earlier, I've got a little bio site on my profile. And if one clicks on the bio site, there's also access to the website and um, also access to the, to the link with the inner, um, the play, play date with your inner child guided meditation. Um, and so I think that's also a lovely way to kind of see if you'd like to work with me um, at a deeper level or just um, or just simply have a play date with your inner child. <laughs> yes, I love that. And I will link all of those in the show notes so that everybody can easily find you. Thank you so much, Laverne. This has been amazing. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, then it would mean the world to me if you could share your takeaway. We'd love to hear what you learned from this. And it really helps if you're able to subscribe to the show as well as leave a five-star review. It really helps for this show to be able to reach more amazing, anxious, and ambitious people just like you. So yeah, thank you for listening.